اهلا ومرحبا ويلكم تو ذا حبيبي بودكاست 3 جيم ديفلوبرز درينكينج جود ارب تي ام يور هوست فوزي مسمار انا مسامه دورياس اند ايم رامي اسماعيل او اتس اتس بين ا ويك هازنت اتس بين ا ويك يس ريلي هافن انذر ويك ان ذا بوكس بوت ا دويلي اون ذات ويك ها you're getting out of yourself here <laughs> i mean i'll be honest it's the first week in a while where i felt happy about the the game's offering because mm-hmm. it's been it's yes. been a while like I've, yes. i've mostly been replaying stuff and um i've been playing burnout paradise because that was available and i i just haven't seen a lot of games that i really wanted to play um yeah. but it sounds like this, you got a new game for us this week rami i have a new game for you like this is This is as smooth a transition as Osama can make. <laughs> Masterfully done. I'm so proud. I'm learning But, from the best. <laughs> the um, the game is called Outriders, and it's um, it's a game by uh, People Can Fly, and um, it is. So if you imagine, if you imagine Destiny, you know, like the the relatively tight third, like sort of uh, action shooter game. Uh, with space magic okay. but you remove all considerations for balance uh, and you make it a pretty straightforward rpg and then you decide that the aesthetic of the game is you are the predator from alien versus predator hmm. um that's you, actually a pretty good way of putting it <laughs> they kind of get this game so it's this um is this game in which on a foreign planet humans some humans have gained superpowers and um giant wars have broken out and you basically just need to wreck stuff for reasons the story is pretty meh so far um hmm. all the acting is either super overacted yeah. or super cliche it super hits all the notes you want for a game like this it's like mm-hmm. kind of pulpy it's kind of cliche but god is the is the aesthetic of being the monster is that fun Like you just mm-hmm. you walk into a room and like the class I'm playing is called the Devastator. It's this hyper aggressive class. So I get into a room, I start floating, and then just basically dash, like fly dash across the entire battlefield and just pulverize a sniper into like a cloud of blood. And <laughs> I'm suddenly behind the enemies, like pull up a shield of stones so that I'm not getting hurt by anything as I run at them. And every class has its own way of healing. And every way of healing comes from doing something with the mechanics. And in most cases, that mechanic is killing something or hurting yes. something. Mm-hmm. So I'm just running into this cloud, just this room of enemies, and then I come out of the battle with more health than I started. Yeah, That's the feeling of the game. And everything in the game just seems to be balanced towards fun. And like it's I a single-player game mostly, or are you playing multiplayer? So I'm playing a single player, but you can you can make small parties. If that's why I I, um, I sort of refer to Destiny. They're they're using similar um, in many ways. They're using similar spaces and similar design language in in a lot of what they're doing. You can kind of place it between Monster Hunter if you've been playing that mm-hmm. and um, and Outriders. It's it's not quite as online as a Destiny is. It's not quite as um, clunky as most Monster Hunters were. Um, it's it's really fun yeah. it's just it's not it's not a smart game it's not pretending to be a smart game <laughs> i can't even i can't even tell you whether it's a good game mm-hmm. but i can tell you it's a fun game which is which in my book makes it a good game because that's why we, we we play our games actually i thought there was a little bit of gears of war thrown in there as well just a bit at, at the beginning I, my uh, 
my class really doesn't. I don't know what pla- what class are you playing. I don't remember the the uh, the the name of the class, but it's the tanky one that heals when you kill people. Oh yeah, you're you're the same as me, the devastator. The same, the devastator. Okay, yeah, yeah. that that feels very doomish. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we should play together, even though we're the same class. It's fine. It'll work right. out. <laughs> but um, you should come join us and also be a yes. devastator. So we have some, <laughs> good. Good. three doom guys yes. walking onto the battlefield with their shade. <laughs> So um, what I, what I think like I, I liked everything everything you said I agree with the overacting was oh my god there's one character in particular right at the beginning I just wanted to slap like I was like oh stop it come on right but what I loved was uh, the beginning the patience of the game right. like the the first hour of the game it was just the like to me I think perfectly paced just the right, right. amount of I'm introducing you to the story piece uh, there's this much. Uh, here's a tutorial of how you do a thing. I'm getting you used to it. Um, uh, And then I'm going to like subvert that like just enough. Like there are a lot of games that require different levels of story. Like Doom, it's like, here's a gun, go shoot. And that's perfectly works for Doom. Um, And other games are like, you you know, exposition for days before you get to even move around, which like completely turns me off uh, in general. This game, I feel at the beginning, I would like the first hour whizzed through. Like I was actually interested in, I mean, yeah. It it really shows what like I I think the clever thing is it really shows what you're fighting for and what you're yes. fighting against. Yes, which is just so cleverly done. I agree. Like Looking I thought like that a, was a strong start. Right. Looking at screenshots of like the game as you guys are talking about it, it feels a lot like a Destiny game, a more gory Destiny game that is running on Unreal Engine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the right. vibes that yeah. I get like watching. Right. And honestly, you're not that far off. Yeah. But the 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 honest truth is that in terms of in terms of gameplay, Destiny is very much like squad based, old school, mobility based first person shooter, mm-hmm. right? And this is this is not a first person shooter. Yeah. And the the guns are not bad. Like yeah. genuinely, I like shooting the guns is is fine. The the HUD is honestly really cleverly done. I love the the kill confirm. Yeah. That you get with your weapons, a little red skull. That, in the that's middle why of I said screen. there's a little bit of Gears of War in it because it, the, right. depending on at the beginning, especially there's, it's a cover shooter a little bit, but you like you, you're rewarded for moving closer to the enemy, and it has um, like different classes that allow you to be at different distances. It had a, and it's third person, so it had a little bit of a of a Gears of War thrown in there in a good way. Like I'm I'm, right. I'm not taking away from it, so I think it, it right. does offer something new gameplay wise. And right. it's uh, people can fly, right? So it's uh, yet another Polish studio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've, I, I like a lot of the games that People Can Fly does. Um, I will say that Outriders does feel it feels like them a mm-hmm. lot. It's very, it's like the hyper aggressive, uh, but it's just sort of like you know poured into an RPG shell this time mm-hmm. uh, it just you know it, i can't tell whether it's good because the i think a lot of these kind of games is about the the balance and the progression not necessarily the balance of like you know making sure all the weapons are balanced but like the um, the incoming stuff that happens the pacing the the types of improvements your character sees versus the the enemies but so far what i've liked is that they really seem to focus on fun. And I, I, I fought a few bosses and they were okay. But overall, the game really shines when it's just you like walking into a battlefield and going salam alaikum and just like <laughs> wrecking everything in like five, five and a half seconds. And then yeah. just going like, and alaikum as salam. And just, <laughs> you know, if, 
if there was an Arab character in the game, that would absolutely be the two voice lines that <laughs> your character would say walking into it, because that's exactly the cliche level of writing that they're going for. It's good it. to see that studios' um, pre- previous experiences kind of shining through into what you guys are describing, because like Osama yeah, right. was really like uh, mentioning how it reminds him of Gears, and they worked on a couple of Gears games in the past, you know? Wait, Wait did they? Uh, yeah, I think um, they uh, they worked on Judgment, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. They, they, they co-developed that with Epic Games, and they ported uh, like I think the original back in the day. Right. Okay, uh, I didn't even know that. I know they worked on Bulletstorm. That's why I remember them. Yeah, from. definitely Bulletstorm right. for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um, they did some co-development with Epic Games, and uh, they helped out with some Fortnite stuff as well. Um, well. That that makes a lot of sense. You could actually like I felt the Gears of War influence in it. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't like I'm not playing Gears of War now. It wasn't that extreme. But I just felt enough of it to be like, okay, I like this is familiar in that good way, right? That's yeah. the most fascinating things about game development for me is that like you know um, we carry our experience through, right? Like yeah. You, you yes. Make the Absolutely. game and then it's part of your craft and it, it exactly. shows up in in the oddest ways when you make another game i mean it's honestly it's even before you start making games like I, in my travels one of the things that i've always loved is sort of like recognizing the fingerprint of creators mm-hmm. but you also you also recognize that in people's like first works or early works um I, I always use the example one of the examples i really love is just the you know war games in general yeah where most of the war games have been very Western or American based, which means that the cultural ideal of war is sort of a thing that you win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then uh, a Polish studio goes and makes this war of mine. Yes. Because Poland is a studio where war happens. Or a German studio goes and makes Spec Ops The Line, which is a game about yeah. the trauma and hurt of fighting a war and not just not just fighting a war that you're losing, but fighting a war where you're the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just seeing that culture. The same way we talked about uh, Mahdi Bahrami the other week, mm-hmm. about Farsh and Agari. He's not trying to make games about Islam or about it's his um, reality. Iran. Yeah. It's just what he lives, yes. right? Yes. Exactly. South Africa make these very biting, sarcastic games. Tongue-in-cheek. Uh, the Dutch, humor. Yeah, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. The Dutch make very minimalist games. Uh, I like that you can tell a lot about a culture just from the sort of games that come out of there. Yeah, I think Poland as a country is relatively irreverent, and you can see that all the way from the the small indies, uh, Sosososki doing a game like MacPixel, all the way to uh, to uh, People Can Fly, mm-hmm. uh, doing a bullet storm. But yeah, that experience also grows. I mean, you will always recognize a game from me from certain field things because after working with JW for ten years. Yeah, screen uh, shake, at Lambier, right? <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> it's it's really hard for me to sort of like not think of games from that perspective. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have to intentionally try not to think about like, okay, how do we, how do we balance the juice on every interaction from the very first moment? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a topic of, uh, it's, I, I, I talk about this a lot in like lectures and uh, in talks that I do is that what we do defines our creativity. So like, yeah. uh, we mm-hmm. can't help but like, uh, have a little bit of us in every creative work we do. And uh, the more we put ourselves into our work, the more original and vibrant and the more people can relate to it as well. I actually was going to give a keynote at the GDC that got canceled because of COVID specifically. (laughs) Yeah. Specifically about uh, devs and the personal things that they put in their games. Uh, And I'm I'm still sad that that talk never happened because it was such a, 
powerful one. You really like these. This is a job for for us, true, and this is a way that you know we we um, we we provide for ourselves and our families. But for a lot of us, I would say even most of us, we can't help but make it personal. There's so many like little stories and details that we've played in our favorite games that we maybe might seem I wouldn't say even out of place, but might seem notable. And then you don't know what the background story is, and when you find out, your mind is blown because I, you can't help it. I frequently have things where people point out certain influences that we've had, and I'm like, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think we totally should be, because like this is uh, like games, as any other art form, it's a method of self-expression, right? And mm-hmm. like, Absolutely. The more the creators put themselves in the artwork, the more they provide windows into perhaps a world you've never seen before, or like right. an ideology Absolutely. you don't have access to. I'd, I'd like right. to share my favorite example from that, if that's okay with you. Um sure. So Richard Flanagan made a game called Fract, which was like um, Mm -hmm. a rhythm type based game. It has a beat that you hear pretty much throughout the beginning of the game, right? Uh, A thumping beat. That is actually the heartbeat of of his unborn child. That he actually recorded and put, wow. and it it powers the entire world that he Beautiful. created. It's it's like I I get goosebumps when I think about it because I played that game and I had no idea that that was it. So imagine that, but across so many different games where people are just putting something of themselves, of their families, of their experiences. It's like this is art. The example I use, I usually give in in my class is that. Um, when Miyamoto was a kid, he used to like, you know, run around the streets of Kyoto and he used to, you know, there's the drain pipes at the sides of buildings. He used hmm. to look, he used to look down the drain pipe and he would imagine that if he would go, go into it, he would come out wow. at another world. Wow. And that's, that's like, beautiful. you know, how the green pipes ended up coming up in, in Mario and you go like, it's just a green pipe and it, you go into it and you go into another world. And that comes from something so deeply personal to Miyamoto himself in his life. You know? Wow. I love yeah. it. So yeah. much of his creations come from his uh, childhood and like his uh, his own sense of self, which is why like he was such an original of the time because he 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 managed to convey a lot of the things that are personal to him into video games in right. a time where like people were just trying to translate movies into right. video That's games. That's it, right? Yes. Like they picked, they had already picked an inspiration, and the inspiration was I mean it was not insincere, but it was yeah. derivative rather yeah. than personal. Mm-hmm. It's a difference between being aspirational and inspirational, right? Like they're, right. they're aspiring to be the movies while he was like, you know, inspiring other people to make games. It's, yeah. it's honestly surprisingly hard. Like one of the things I've been doing over the past 10 years is I've been I've been traveling around the world, meeting with, with communities around the world. And it's I wrote this blog post in 2015 called The uh, Six Stages of Community Development. Hmm. And it's about how communities grow from having just a single or a few developers that don't know each other to... A community that is like known worldwide that attracts talent, attracts speakers, uh, attracts like industry events, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things I, I noticed is that in in all the communities that I went to, if they were before the part where they had a success, right, a successful studio, that usually the focus of the community would be on uh, imitating successful mm-hmm. stuff because Correct. they hadn't proven yet. They're learning. Right. They're learning and they haven't proven to themselves yet that there is more, right? Like they're yeah. usually dealing with like convincing their parents that it's a real job. They're imposter convinced they're dealing syndrome. with yeah. imposter syndrome. They're dealing with their own confidence. They're dealing with money. They're dealing with resources, with all of those things just not being available. Um, so they, they try to imitate what is successful. And I always tell them like, listen, 
you can try but you can try that but you have to you have to recognize that if you imitate successful games you're walking into a market that you have no advantage in yeah right because the people making those games are already good mm-hmm. at making those games so if you want to be successful what you really have to focus in and what is different about you and your culture and your history and your music and your life that you can somehow mold into a game um, and then usually the funny, my favorite thing about that is usually when it happens, when a game becomes a hit, um, it's usually something that is a little more, a little more personal, right? A little more of a, a subversion of what exists already. But then the other studios in the country or in the in the in the community will usually rebel against the people that made that. Not in like a negative way, <laughs> yeah. but just in like we're going to be like that studio, but not like that studio. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, sort of the the creative expression starts to to come out in stronger ways, and it's just fascinating. I've seen that same pattern. That's why I wrote it down in 2015. And I've, I've seen that same pattern repeat year over year in different communities. It's people often feel like they need a permission to be creative, to be personal when mm-hmm. they're when they're younger designers, and I think. One of the most important things as a designer you can embrace is yourself, right? Your own yeah. life, your own experiences. You need to like um, uh, accept that childlike sense of wonder within you that you've been suppressing as an adult, and just like yeah. let that out and um, find ways to make the more of the game about you know like something in you in the game uh, right, yeah. or whatever act of creation that you're doing what is the thing what is your perspective what is your story how does that come across in that uh, piece right. of artwork and it could be like you know a game about shooting stuff and there's still a part within that game that is very much you right exactly it doesn't have to be the narrative or the subject matter like um, what the, uh, your personal perspective can manifest in so many different ways when you're designing a video game and that's right. that for me is like why i love seeing games coming out from different parts of the world because it all of a sudden you're seeing something that like oh shooting a gun is completely different in this place compared to this one because there's an right. entirely different perspective associated exactly yeah <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, Outriders is fun. Yeah, what a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so, Osama, uh, yeah. did you play anything? Yeah. So other than a brief stint with Outriders, I'm going to go back to it because I am enjoying it. Um, I actually watched a couple of movies, um, both with my kids, both uh, family-friendly movies. Uh, one of them is the new Disney movie, um, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, not, I actually really enjoyed it. I'm not going to uh, jump into it uh, in, in too much detail. The only thing I wanted to say is that it was enjoyable. It was beautiful to look at. It was creative and imaginative, but it was very predictable. Um, you can almost uh, like you can almost plan out like as soon as the movie starts uh, maybe a little bit into it you can almost plan out the next beats and what's going to happen what exactly is the movie about just as a so um it's about a world that's parallel to ours but it's kind of like more asian like east asian cultures um there's a a um a rift that happened between a, a nation that was one nation and now uh it got split into different nations because dragons and monsters and history so like there's something big that happened a calamity that happened and the dragons are no longer there and because the dragons weren't there to protect the people they're like they're at each other's throats Um, and then something happens and uh that like uh, launches the story into being more uh immediate Uh, i don't want to spoil it because it is it's just a story that's all it is so if i tell you what the story is there's no reason to to watch it but 
like up yeah. until that event happens, um, like it's pretty imaginative and, and cool, and I was really into it. When that happens, I could pretty much plot out the rest of the movie and even right. finish some of the lines. Like they start saying something, and I'm like, they're not going to say, oh, they said that. Like it, it's very, very predictable. It's cookie cutter right. for, formulaic. Um, the other movie wasn't that. It was very different. But that one is, I feel, a more geared towards families or younger kids. I loved watching it with my daughters. They both absolutely loved it. It's called uh, Finding Ohana. And what it is, um, it's a coming of age story for uh, of like a family who were in uh, like who were, like a Hawaiian family who had to move to New York when you know the, the father figure of the family died. And now they're moving back to Hawaii to take care of the, the their grandfather, like the grandfather of the kids or the, the father of the mother figure. But it also has a very Goonies feel to it. There's like um, mystery and like magic and 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 uh, treasure hunting. And like, I, I am not Hawaiian, so I can't speak to this myself, but the the way from from an outsider's point of view the way they treated the 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 their culture felt really respectful and incredibly um authentic but like again this is not my culture so i cannot make this claim universally uh but to me from an outsider it really did feel like that it felt like they they didn't uh uh, Americanize it, and I'm very, I'm usually very sensitive to that. So I like, I really enjoyed it. There were some moments that were absolutely delightful, especially the the uh, the whenever the kids are telling the story of the pirates in the past. There's the, the way that they're they're doing that. They're, like they're saying it in their own voices, but you see the actors like mime it, and it's so well done. Every time it happened, I, I was smiling ear to ear. So both are, if you're, especially if you're watching with kids, both are recommendations for me. I think they're really good movies. I enjoyed them big time. Um, if you're watching it as adults, you know, just grain of salt. Do you usually enjoy those type of movies? If so, go for it. If you like the Goonies, like the 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 old 1980s movie, I think this is like a better version, a more up to date, more modern version of that. That's cool. Some those are both on Disney Plus, are they? Uh, no, Ohana. I think I saw on uh, Netflix. Uh, finding Ohana, yes, but uh, yes, uh, Raya's on Disney Plus. Cool. Uh, so, what about you, Fozzy? What did you play? Oh man, I uh, I finally got my hands on a retail PS5. Yes, nice. It's about time. Yes, uh, been awaiting greatness for such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the other way around for me, uh, but greatness has arrived. <laughs> to my household i got the di- would, yeah go ahead Ron. what are you playing so i uh i got the digital edition so i, I put that in i plugged it put my account in and all of that stuff i really like i don't know why, uh, but i really like the experience of booting up a system for the first time i like you know i oh, want yeah. you know oh, the yeah. music the setup and like i want like i'm looking at everything i'm taking screenshots and writing notes <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not everybody does that, but I'm definitely doing that, like documenting my first time user experience and all of that. And then like the PlayStation is is finally set up. First of all, like I, you know, everybody knows how big that thing is. I knew how big yeah. that thing is. I've seen it before. I, I've touched, and I've it's still it bigger than you think. Yes. It's still bigger than I thought. In the context of your living room, you're like, really? I have to make room for this? Anna, this is like the slim one without the drive. Oh I, my god! I remember. Crap. When I got mine, I just like I I got it out of the box and I looked at it. I'm like, this is too big. And then I realized there was a second part. Yes. Right, the base. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. 
It gets bigger. It gets yeah. bigger. And then I get the base out, and the base needs that screwdriver thing. It's like, the no, screw. this, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to try to find a screwdriver right now. I want to yes. play this game. I think I still didn't screw mine in, to be honest. I think it's just on its side, wobbly. They, they need enough. to really put, like, you know, like those, like, on the top of skyscrapers, they have the antenna. And on top of the antenna, they put a little light so that planes don't crash into the skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> they need something like this on top of this device because God damn oh, yeah. is huge. Oh my I, god! Uh, I have to laugh so much. My, uh, I, my mom has a PS5, right? <laughs> and um, and when she got it, I was like, "Mom, you just you just uh, listen. It's not pretty, right?" Yeah. And she looked at the box and she's like, "Oh no, it looks fine." And then she 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 opened the box and she pulled the PlayStation Five out and she looked at it and she's like, "Oh yeah, it's ugly." Yeah. <laughs> and I, but that's the thing. I've, the design... I've never heard my mom say something like that about anything in her life. So that's like special. That's the thing. Like when you look at it on its own, out of context, you can be like, "Oh, okay, this is a stylish thing," but it it doesn't fit with anyone's living room ever. Like it cannot. Like I don't know. I maybe you have maybe to be Jetsons the robot or... from Wally yeah. Yeah. in order for in order for it to fit in with your living room. And then, and then even then the shape is like weird and yes. round. And like yeah. why is it round? What would, like my PS5 is sitting next to my my Xbox uh, uh whatever it's called, Series Series X. Yes, yes. the new one. Mine too, oh, they really need to fix those names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you put those two next to each other and like the, the Series X is also a bit ridiculous, but yeah. It's it fades into my it fades into my room. It's black. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. It's and then black. the PlayStation Five is like is like half black, half blue, half white. I'm like, how did you put 150 percent of colors in like one? Like, what is happening here? Exactly. Yeah. And you turn it on, and it, it beams of light as yeah. well. Right. It's, it's like the most attention-seeking device I have ever seen. Right. I like you know the yeah. Xbox Series X. It's black. You know what else yeah. is yeah. black? Is your TV. It's yes, the, right. have every electronic appliance ever made. <laughs> no, <Right. flat>. <laughs> well, <laughs> since the wood like... panels, like since the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> even the even the switch, which has two giant colorful things on the left and right when it's in a dock, is less notable than That's my true. PlayStation. It's still Absolutely subtle. true. Absolutely yeah, it right. is it is so big. But but okay, I I mean okay, PlayStation 5 is ugly. Let's we we're agreed. I think everybody is agreed. Yeah. Um <laughs> But God, How about the controller? I was about to say, man, that controller is so good. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, really, yeah. really, really, really good. There is there is nothing I dislike about the controller. Like, the color scheme is perfect for the controller as well. Uh, with the lights and everything. The design is <laughs> so slick. Easy to find. Yeah. Um, the weight is so nice. It's USB-C, finally. Yes. Um, yes. The buttons have the right click, and it's not as loud as the the Series X uh, controller. I found that to be a little bit clicky and yeah. loud. Right. There, there is one button I kind of dislike on the controller, though, and the that's PlayStation one. the PlayStation one. Right. Uh, to be honest, I think the first time I opened it up, I, I didn't think that was a button. I thought it was a sticker, and I was looking for mm-hmm. the home button for a bit. I forgot now because like now it's like automatic muscle memory. I think I pressed right. it through muscle memory and not through acknowledging it. Yeah. It seems a little odd and out of place, and it doesn't even feel as good as the other buttons when you're pressing. Right. It. Yeah, it's, it's but a that's the exception. Uh, different construct for sure. Uh, yeah. But like the the haptic feedback of the controller is very oh, nice. Oh, so good, so good, so good. The touch screen, the not a touch screen, but the, the touch pad feels nice. It's multi-touch this time around as well, so it's right. pretty cool. Yes, uh, the triggers are quite nice. The 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 motors in the triggers, man, like they're, they're so game good. changers. Yeah. 
Yes, the haptics are. are so good. Yeah. They're ridiculous. They're honestly ridiculous. And I didn't think it would make that big of a difference, but I remember mm-hmm. the first time um, I did the PlayStation 5 upgrade of Destiny, mm-hmm. and it went from PlayStation 4 haptics to PlayStation 5 haptics. I was just like, what just happened? Like, I could feel. You can't there's, go there's no way to go back. There yeah. really isn't. Yeah, when I grabbed a PS4 controller now, it kind of feels like a toy, really, in comparison. Yeah, it does. Right. So, like, I, I'm a, like, when I play first person shooters, I'm a mouse and keyboard guy. That's like, the, that's how I play, mm-hmm. I'm usually. This is like making me question that. Like, I'm, I'm playing Call of Duty. I have both Call of Duty on, on PC and on uh, PlayStation because I play with my brothers and sisters. And I'm not sure if I prefer the haptic feedback to the mouse and keyboard fidelity. I don't know. I can go back and forth. And this is the first time that happens. I just prefer playing first-person shooters usually with mm-hmm. mouse and keyboard. So this is, for me, it's blasphemous. I've never said this before. <laughs> we, like, we all we all get smarter as we age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the aimbot. It's like you just do not get the, you do not yeah. get the, the yeah, fidelity you, you of a mouse. You never get the same level of aim. But also, like, with yeah. a controller, there's, there's a lot of... With this controller as well. Oh, yes. like also, like the Series X controller is pretty good. Like the yeah. next generation of controller shooting feels so much better. I so much it. better. Yeah. yeah, no, the the PS4, and also I um the the one thing I'm there's two things about that controller I'm not 100 percent on. The first is the battery life is just short. I agree. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's genuinely short. I actually bought a second one just so I can charge one and play with the other. I should, yeah. I should do the same. I, did I honestly too. like a full day of gaming, and uh, you know, like after a few hours, you're you're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I killed my controller a couple of times. Uh, well, like my PS4 one would last me a week, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same uh, thing. I would. I would like my. I would get the message, and I'd be like, "Oh, I only have four hours left." And here, I like, I start playing, and I'm like, "I have four hours. I better." Better yeah. get going. Yeah, I'm, I'm still upset that they don't offer other colors because I'm, I'm like, I should show you a picture of all my Wii motes that I have from the Wii. I have eight <laughs> Wii motes; they're all different colors. It's beautiful. I, mean, I love it. And here, I was forced to buy a second controller of the same color. I'm like, come on, it's not how it will. They will change they it will. probably. Yeah, uh, like um, early. Like they still need to make PS5s in order for them to start making <laughs> controllers of different colors. So Fancy, give them. Fancy just got his. Yeah, I just got mine. <laughs> Um, the the other thing is I thought I would really like the microphone and speaker thing yeah Mm. like I I thought I would love it Uh, but this the speaker volume is just too low to Mm. be really useful when you're playing with a larger group of people Mm -hmm. and the idea that I have to check whether my microphone is muted in a controller yeah when I start playing in a in a multiplayer activity where I don't necessarily want to do voice chat yeah I just I don't like it. I don't see, like, I'm still upset that it was on by default because I didn't know that it was on. I don't know how many games I've played where my mic was on and I didn't know before I realized that the light on meant you were muted and not the other way around. But okay, uh, Fauzi, Fauzi, what what have you been playing on play? Because like you, we're not like you haven't mentioned the game you're playing yet. What did you what did you you get with your PlayStation? uh, One of the things I really like about the PS5 is that it just comes with Astro's Playroom. Right. (laughs) Yes. And that's a hell of a game, really. It's a good game. It's really good. I think it's like a tech showcase, but it's a really really fun like you know third uh, third person platformer. Yeah. Uh, seem, see, I seem to be playing a lot of these lately. <laughs> um, so, I, like, I've always been a fan of Studio Japan. Yeah. It's, it's no surprise that they've just made an amazing game with the third, uh, like, a third-person platformer. There's, right. two, there's two, two things I really like about this game. I really like to see Sony celebrate their heritage. 
Right. I feel like this is something that uh, they haven't done enough. Like it's been over what now? Twenty six years of PlayStation. I like that you go like I don't know exactly, but I'm gonna say a very specific number. Because <laughs> I'm not sure. I wanted 26. to think to think of the 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 release of the original PlayStation. It was 1994, right. so that's actually very very uh, very, very specific. Good. Right. Yeah. So, t- 26 years of PlayStation. There's a lot of like, there's a couple of generations that grew up with their devices. Yeah. And they have a lot of like really interesting games and like uh, heritage to d- draw back on. But they never like really unified it around the central I- I- uh, identity in the same way Nintendo has, for example. Right. Like Nintendo have several franchises. There's Star Fox. There's Zelda. There's Mario. There's all sorts of things. But they've frequently brought in uh, or released games that kind of celebrated all of these games together regularly whether it's in like smash or like in uh, mario world or in tennis or whatever nintendo constantly reminded you that like all of these ips are under the one umbrella and they also form what it is nintendo yes uh whereas sony kind of leaned into that a bit more in the ps3 era yeah Whereas, like, um, yeah, we have uh, our Naughty Dogs and our God of Wars and that kind of stuff, and then they start to kind of put it together. Uh, so it was really nice for me to see a game in which, like, they celebrate this history. Like, there's an, in this game, as you're running around, you see those bots um, filming, like they're carrying, a, like, a film uh, video mm-hmm. camera, and mm-hmm. they're filming, like, a, a famous scene from a, from a PlayStation game. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, you're trying to guess what it is. Uh, which is always a nice touch. Um, you're collecting like several peripherals or like devices. A lot of the the game modes or like the the, the levels aesthetic are like based on like classic PlayStation eras. And there yes. are like you know portions in in those levels when you just wander into this area and then like the PlayStation One boot music comes out. Yeah. And you get hit with like this nostalgic gut punch. Yeah. Uh, it was very strong. So I, I really like that they that they like uh, celebrated the launch of the PlayStation Five with this uh, hidden gem. Yeah, that that game had no business being that good. I did. I expected a twenty minute de- tech demo. I didn't expect like a four hour long engaging game that was like that. I mean, wow, where did it come from? I it was really so good. shocked. Yeah, yeah, really good. Right. And like celebrates like multiple aspects of what it is uh, PlayStation. And I like sincerely hope that Sony kind of like looks deeper into this and like I st- mean they will. That's why they recentered Japan Studio around yeah. Asobi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. they they know what they have. They know that they have the potential of making this sort of like a platform defining franchise. Mm-hmm. Um it seems like it'll come at the cost of the rest of Japan studio. Well, but. that's that's the biggest shame. I think it's like more right. like uh, instead of like uh, just Asobi games doing what they're doing, which they, they do really, really good it's stuff. Really good. Yeah, yeah it's more of like you know multiple uh, releases that celebrates uh, Sony as an IP holder with did, like all of you, these uh, different intellectual uh, properties that they can just show. Right? Did you play the VR version of it? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, it was VR also. Yeah, when the PlayStation VR came out, they also did an Astro game. Wow. Um, called, uh, what was it called? Astro's Adventure or something? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Uh, but that was also exceptionally good. Oh, I forgot about uh, that one. Uh, yeah, is, right. uh, is it the rescue mission? Astro Boss yeah, rescue I, mission. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was also exceptionally good. Like, true showcase of VR, more than anything that was on other VR platforms, honestly. Wow. Um, one of my favorite VR games to this day. 
That's super, super good. So, right. yeah, very excited. Uh, so I finished that. I got, and I downloaded Spider-Man, and there's a bunch of stuff I'm going to be playing. So it looks like it's going to be a bunch of late nights of PS5 for me. Uh, right. I mean, that's good. Ramadan is coming up, so you might as well play late. <laughs> really good timing. Say. Good timing, <laughs> right? right? Absolutely. Right. I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that I found Outriders because for, so I already work not normal hours, right? I uh, I live I live on basically uh, uh, Canadian hours. On, yeah. uh, I live in this I live in the same time zone as Osama, I even know, though I live half shocking. a mile away. Um, <laughs> but um, so uh, for me, I I need I need good things to do when the entire country is asleep. Um, so I'm I'm just so happy that I found Outriders because Destiny yeah. is a little slow right now, and having something to play between uh, Iftar and Suhoor. Right yeah. between the uh, between the um, the dinner and the breakfast, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, is going to be really helpful for me because it's just I can either work, which is a bad idea, to just keep working, yeah, um, or or play games. So I don't know. I'm very excited though. I'm I love I love Ramadan. It's one of my favorite times of year. Me so. too. I look forward to it so <laughs> much. Uh, it's, it's right on the horizon. It's coming no, up really right? quick. No, the funniest. Yeah, I, I was now. thinking about yeah. this the other day and. Um, uh, you guys remember like when the pandemic first started, there was these pictures on the internet of like, um, you know, nature is healing and like there's nobody in like famous districts and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And when I first saw that when the pandemic started, it really reminded me of any Arab city during Iftar. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> That's when, true. When Iftar happens, it was such a like, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to witness is like when the minute you hear that Allah Akbar for the Megra player, yeah. uh, it, everybody... Like everybody vanishes, the streets are empty, and if you like listen really carefully, you can hear the clicks of knives and forks (laughs) on plates, (laughs) thousands of them (laughs) everywhere. I love it. (laughs) It's, um, yeah, the the for so for for those of you who who are listening who don't know Ramadan, um, Ramadan is is uh, one of the um, it's actually just a month, it's it's the the, The ninth month, it's a yeah, it's September. Yeah. Uh, but the um, the Quran for Muslims says that during that month you fast, and fasting is no food, uh, no drink, no consumption of any kind, really, from um, sunrise to sunset. Mm-hmm. That sustains for a month, uh, and a Muslim month is from the new moon to the new moon. Yeah. So for almost it's, it's a month. also supposed to be a time where like you control your emotions and you don't get mad and you become a better person. You, you, like, Osama, you try you, to you try, your yeah. But that's the thing <laughs> is, like, well, while you're hungry, it's much easier not, not to control your emotions, there is right? Definitely a lot more yelling. <laughs> oh my God. I, I <laughs> have seen the exact opposite of controlling your temper. <laughs> From everyone, I, do you know how hard it is for like you know in, in country like like a country like Jordan when like I don't know seventy percent of of adults smoke. Yeah, right? it's like one of the highest smoking ratios in the world. And then you tell all of these people they're not allowed to smoke until sunset, and they still right. have to do stuff like go to work. Yeah, Man, people were so angry all the time, or not have coffee. <laughs> so like you get you get somebody who's not allowed to eat, drink yes. in a very hot weather, mind you, but also not to have nicotine or coffee. And yeah, then right. kind of go about their days normally. 
But yeah. that's actually a funny thought because like I, whenever people used to ask me, well, isn't it, isn't fasting hard? Isn't fasting hard? I used to always tell them, uh, yeah, the first three days are a killer. But once you get through that, you're fine. And then right. one, one year, just a few years ago, I quit drinking coffee in preparation for Ramadan. Instead of just like the, the day of Ramadan, I'm not drinking anymore. And those three miserable days happened before Ramadan. And I realized most of the misery was like the caffeine. <laughs> yeah. And like that Ramadan, the first three days were like eh, a little bit harder, but that was it. I love like, your you advice, Osama. Basically, what we're telling our dear <laughs> listeners is quit coffee and quit cigarettes. Yes, and right. you get to enjoy Ramadan. And that's one, generally yeah, good one, advice. One hundred percent halal advice. <laughs> <laughs> the um the I don't know, like for for me, so I, I I've never drank coffee, I've never smoked. Uh so for me, Ramadan was always it was funny because it shifts through the year, right? So every year, because the Muslim months are shorter than the Gregorian months, yep. it goes forward. So when I was a kid, it was midwinter. Mm-hmm. So you yep. would wake up and just have normal breakfast. Because yes. I'm in the <laughs> Netherlands where, where the, the effects of, of seasons are pretty intense. Yep. Uh, and then um, I would go to school and not have lunch and then go back home and just have normal dinner. So that was, you know, I wouldn't have lunch and I was annoyed about that. And then I got older, the days got longer. I've had, what, four or five years where E3 now fell in the middle of Ramadan. Those were rough. Yeah. Like I will say, yeah. like I love Ramadan, but part of Ramadan is community. Yeah. Right. It's family. It's it's being together. It's the celebration. It's the culture. It's the mosques. It's um, like I, I, I've obviously grown up as a Muslim outside of the world that celebrates Ramadan. Yeah. Right. Mostly. So for me, it was always this this very familial thing. Uh, but that kind of stayed in our houses. And it, it took me a long time to really appreciate the full celebration of it uh, when I would be traveling and I would come across other Muslims. Uh, for me, that is Ramadan now, yeah. right? Like I understand that there's the religious significance. I understand that there's um, that th- it's important to 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 my faith, right? As a Muslim, yeah, um, it is also a cultural event. But yeah. yes, that's that. I think that's so important for people to 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 really understand is that yeah. Ramadan is not just like this very strict sort of sour, like oh, we all have to not eat and drink from sunset to sun. Like people, people tell me that they're sorry, and I'm like, what are you yeah. talking what about? You, this is <laughs> I'm happy. I'm looking forward the, I, to it. Yeah. Every year, I'm yeah. like, oh, Ramadan is soon. Nice. Yes. The, um, that's like you know the, the the things that come with Ramadan. It's kind of like a halal Halloween, really, if you think about yeah. it. It's like, <laughs> there's all these like all these decorations that come yes. out everywhere. Like you got like what we call a fanus which is like the lamp um uh, yes, like right. there's very special traditional lamp it's everywhere um there's decorations when it comes to like the pop culture pretty much all the major releases when it comes to like uh middle eastern cinema tv shows yeah. um anything really if you even like games um the local games they all want to release stuff by ramadan because right. you need to be distracted during the daytime and after you have <laughs> a giant meal in the evening, you want to like, yeah. you know, sit on the couch, yeah, slowly <laughs> digesting yes. and just wa- receive stuff yes, <laughs> and right. pop culture. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, and it, it's that and also just the traditions like from from when I was a kid. Um, so at the end of the day, at uh, when, when you can eat again at uh, Iftar. My my dad would watch TV in the Netherlands to, to watch Egypt, and there would always be this guy that would start like a few minutes before in Egypt they could eat. There would be this guy who would just go like Matfal Iftar, <laughs> and just <laughs> a cannon, just like, a cannon, 
<laughs> and it turns out that that's like nobody quite knows where it comes from, but yeah. they would shoot a cannon yeah. uh, to indicate that the the fast is over. Yeah. And that's just this old tradition. And as a kid, I was in awe of the idea that there were still people firing cannons. Dude, yeah, because this is like, it's not an Islamic tradition because there were no, no. cannons around that <laughs> like 1,400 years ago. It's just this it's cultural, cultural thing one. that got yeah. added. Dude, exactly. like if you, were, if you were starving the entire day, you want like the moment of like, you know, go and eat <laughs> to be like, the, you want it to come in with a bang. Like, I mean, in, hey, in right. a race, they shoot the gun so that people run. I but, want but, to right. run. Fuzzy. I want You're to run to the kitchen right. table. You, you can like drop a nuclear bomb to just just demonstrate my excitement You're, to just you're go absolutely and right. But like honestly, this is the only time in the world that Arab time doesn't apply, where every single person is looking at their <laughs> that is so true. and is a hyper aware of the second that they could eat. Right? This is you know the funny. Not, the, fun, the funny yeah. part about that, Osama, is that like people are still not punctual about anything else <laughs> other than the breakfast. Time. <laughs> You're absolutely and, right. I mean, the other thing in, in morning. Do, do you have do you have the the morning shouters oh, in Jordan, in Iraq? The masaharati, yeah. Masaharati, yeah, have have those? Those. Oh, those guys. Yes, of course. They're they're one of my favorite things because uh, they just kind of go around like waking people. Up. It is literally literally <laughs> yeah. like the the prehistoric version of an alarm clock. Right. Yes. Yes. Because what these guys do is that, like, you're supposed to wake up uh, before dawn to have food because you need to fill up because that's the last meal you're allowed to eat until sunset. Yeah. So, right. um, you know, historically, before alarm clocks and all of this, the Musaharati is the dude that will go around the neighborhood, usually with a type of drum. Right. And they'll be or just like a, a can from a trash can. Or and that, like a stick, exactly. Like. An empty, like, milk can also works. <laughs> right. Any yes. instrument that just makes banging noises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just walk around the neighborhoods banging on those things, and then they um, they just yell stuff uh, yeah. that usually rhyme, right? right. Um, <laughs> that basically says "wake up and have something yeah. to eat." Also pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also pray. Yeah, that's very important. Like, wake up, wake up, have food, have food. Praise Allah, praise Allah, yeah. and then they just just on repeat as they walk through your neighborhood. Yeah. One um, so of like speaking of, of prayer, one of my favorite things about Ramadan is the Maghrib prayer, like the the prayer that signals that you're able to eat at the mosque. Like, except for last year because of COVID, and I'm a little sad about it. But every mm -hmm. other year before, the, uh, nobody like this is the funny thing. The the month of Ramadan is the one month where people associate with hunger but it's actually the month where no one has to go hungry because every Maghrib in every mosque I've ever been to there have been a feast after that prayer for the people. Right. People take turns and it's an honor to, to, to and they bring food to serve whoever doesn't go back home and eat with their family. Either right. people who can't afford it or people who are there for the sense of community there's no judgments, there's nothing. And because of the, the like, I'm, I'm, I'm talking specifically about like Ramadan in, in Canada because of the multicultural uh, like you know the array of different people who come from, from all over the world one day you could be having Pakistani food and the next day it's Indonesian and the next day is Ethiopian and sometimes it's it's a mix of all of it uh, because the people take turns they're like okay I, I'll, I'll cover half the meal or and it's it's delightful like me like yeah. I have fond memories of me playing basketball with, with my friends and some of them who are not Muslim and it's time for to break our fast and just telling them come let's have a feast 
And they're just right. like, you know, on the sideline waiting for us to finish our prayer. And then they're joining in on the feast. And like, I have fond memories of that, that experience of just sharing and giving and, you know. And a lot of places in like in the Arab world, so like in Jordan, for example, you see a lot of these acts of kindness. Um, they happen regularly, but you see them intensify during Ramadan. Like yes, there will sure. be... Um, uh, many people that just have the, they call it sadaqa jariya or something of the yes. sort, which yes. is like basically just giving for giving sake, which is like people yeah. hosting a food feast for whoever is hungry. Um, right. There's like people that will uh, drive around the streets of, uh, of uh, in Jordan. Um, they're yeah. carrying food uh, boxes and they right. will give it to like the, the traffic uh, police. Who yes. are like who have to work or people that have to be doing work, and they give them yes. like you know some water and dates and like some simple food to kind of like quench their uh, to to their break their fast basically yeah. and quench their thirst. And the people are just doing that um, for free out of the kindness of their hearts, right. kind of like help and, other people during that month. In Egypt, you can uh, you can buy those bags pre-made in supermarkets. They'll just be filled with like bottles of water and like yeah. food that doesn't go bad and like uh, right. something to eat for tonight. Yeah, and uh, you can just buy those pre-made in a supermarket if you want, and you just drive around the city, find somebody who who needs it, and you will see like some 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 folks sitting at a street corner with like four or five of those bags, and you just go like, well, this is this is, I mean, it's it remains, you know, poverty is always a bad thing, right? Of course. But um, and if we could structurally erase that, that would be great. Yeah. In Ramadan, it's always lovely to see that people take that that little extra effort and, and they become more conscious of yes. their privileges in life and they become more conscious of their um, of the of their wealth and their ability to to uh, have, a you know, what is it? A pleasant life. Yeah, um, it, it's sort of like it helps you reframe things a bit. Mm. It, it's just great to see the entire community come together, like regardless of faith. Yes. Um, during the times of Ramadan, because it's mostly like um, uh, th there are people that are hungry. So even if I don't fast, I'm not going to eat in front of them out of respect. Yes, I, want right. to, like, I want to come together to kind of like help them uh, do their faith or like I can cook a, a big meal and my neighbors can't. So I will invite them over for, for breakfast. Right. I have yeah. like a surplus of, of income then now's the time for me to share or like um, I can like share whatever I have that I don't need with others around me. Right. Yeah. And it's such, it's also just beautiful, right? Like the lights come up and the phonies go up and like music turns like Masaharatis roll out. The Masaharatis wake you up uh, like way too early. <laughs> you know, the funny part um, about those things is that uh, those guys are not regulated, the Masaharatis. They're just people right. that go like, I'm going to do this this year. <laughs> they're, the guys that normally, they're the guys that normally park your car. <laughs> but, <they're> like, no, <laughs> but because of that, sometimes in your neighborhood, you'll have like seven Masaharatis. And like, like oh, one, no. one guy would pass by. And then 10 minutes later, we're like, it's like a snooze button. You go like, I'm going to go back to sleep. And then another Musaharat goes like, oh, God, I'm, I'm never going to sleep. Honestly, though, like sometimes I feel like I need some in the Netherlands because when you sleep through your when you sleep through your suhoor alarm, yes. it's uh, not great. No. You wake up like two and a half hours later, you're like, oh, yes, exactly. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I guess it'll be it. Because in the Netherlands, the fast is like, what, 15, 16 hours long. Yeah. You kind of look at your clock and you're like, well, 
I guess I'll drink in 16 hours and go back to sleep. <laughs> I'm also in the Northern Hemisphere. So I also, in my childhood, had those really, really short fasting days. And in right. the summers, we have the other extreme where we have a longer fasting day than in the Middle East. Right. Because, you know, we have more sunshine than that. So uh, yeah. uh, maybe not as extreme as the Netherlands, but we're not too far away. Right. I'm just I'm I can't I can't wait. I'm just very yeah, excited. And last too. year because of COVID, I did a lot of my um I did a lot of my uh, Ramadan in Animal Crossing. Yeah. yeah. I would host Iftar and Sahur in Animal Crossing yeah. and just get people from all over. You were there. I Osama, was there. Yeah, I came to really? one of them. That was awesome. It was a lot it of was fun. Super lovely. I mean, I'm I'm still a little sad that games are not acknowledging Ramadan, but you know, yeah. like we're I guess a lot of a lot of our cultures are used to sort of being ignored in global pop culture. Sadly. So, but so maybe we maybe can do ourselves. something about it. Yeah. How about yeah. we do something about it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, over the past uh, over the past period of time, we've been planning a lot of Ramadan content. We kind of want to give you a heads up of what's going to be happening over the next few weeks. Um, by the time this is live, Ramadan will be starting in a few days. And um, during Ramadan, we will have small bonus episodes for every suhoor that you uh that you might participate in mm-hmm. um all of us have different plans for them yeah. uh all of us are very excited about them yeah so for every morning if you participate in ramadan there'll be a tiny little habibis episode um for you to listen to for you know your breakfast or if you're not participating in ramadan just for during the day yeah um besides that we're also looking at just doing a bunch of extra stuff we might be doing some live content as well yes um we're it's- looking at uh, lots of tournaments between us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be exciting. We may <laughs> or may not have alluded to some of them on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so we're definitely looking at doing a, a bit more, a bit more stuff. Also, live. Uh, we'll be. We'll try and figure out just to make uh, to make things, uh, you know, as fun as together as possible to give that that get sense of community in the in the games industry that sadly keeps missing in uh, in you know, a lot of the Western sphere of gaming. Uh, so I'm really excited. It's been so much work, but it's so worth it. And I'm so happy that we get to do this. Yes. Also, I just want to say there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Th- things for Arab and Muslim representation has been improving over the years. I feel for like, sure. yeah, we're at the cusp of it. So there's going yeah. to be one company that's going to take the plunge first, one of the bigger ones. And then all of the others are being like, oh, we should have been doing this years ago. And one by one, they're going to fall into place. Inshallah. I feel it. Inshallah. Inshallah. I feel it. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. But for now, for now, we'll do it. <laughs> for now, it's on us. Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Mubarak. Salam. That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I am Fauzi Masmar, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Fauzi Masmar. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Rami Ismail, who you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubela, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Salam. <laughs>